It's time to join Montana's very own and your voice for agriculture, Talkin' Ag Lane Nordland for today's LaneCast. Hello friends and welcome back for more agriculture conversations on the LaneCast Ag Podcast. I just got back from Angus Convention 2022, returning back to the home place here in Montana to a lot of snow and cold, but we need that moisture, no doubt, across the countryside. And it was a great feeling to talk with so many different producers at this year's event that are truly feeling optimistic about the future of the cattle business, despite the higher input costs and all the issues that impact cattle men and women out in the countryside. I was able to catch up with two outstanding leaders, not only in the Angus breed, but in the livestock industry. That includes Montana's Joe Goggins and Nebraska's Jerry Keneally. And Jerry just wrapped up his term as chairman of the board for the American Angus Association. And in today's episode, they will be sharing their perspective on what they believe the future holds for cattle producers, all the way from the cow-calf to the feeding sector. We'll start off with our conversation with Nebraska's Jerry Keneally. Jerry Keneally joining us here today. We just kicked off uh, the official Angus Convention with the general session. And, and Jerry, as we look at 2022 and now looking towards 2023, as a producer yourself and as president of the American Angus Association Board, uh, what has the year been like from these multiple levels of being a participant in the industry? Uh, it's been an exciting year for me. Um, you know, obviously from the producer standpoint, uh, we've had our challenges at home with the drought. Um, cattle prices are about to get really good, I think. Uh, but from an American Angus Association standpoint, uh, it's been a, a seamless year. Um, we've got a CEO in place and Mark McCulley who does an excellent job. Um, we've had very little uh, turmoil, I guess, uh, in the breed uh, as of now. Uh, you know, we're, we're rocking and rolling along. We're working on trying to make tools that we can describe cattle better with. Uh, we're working on the commercial end of things with uh, Angus Link and trying to be able to to differentiate uh, Angus or black-hided calves uh, from calves out of registered Angus bulls. And we're trying to differentiate the ones that marble better from the ones that don't, the ones that grow faster from the ones that don't. So uh, it's been an exciting year. We're I think we're moving ahead. Now, this morning during the general session, really the the highlight of it was that beef industry perspectives panel that you participated with. And a lot of focus obviously on cow-calf producers, uh, what, what they're feeling and uh, how registered breeders are the tool that can help them be profitable and help with that margin and, and have that superior genetic selection and that opportunity. Uh, when we looked at that profitability question that, that was asked to the audience, uh, what the profitability, uh, what folks are thinking for the cow-calf sector in the next two to three years, 59% of attendees uh, pinged in on their phone that they think it will improve slightly. Uh, what were your thoughts on that response and what is your personal opinion on, on that as we look to the, the coming years ahead? My personal response would be, I guess I'm probably a little more bullish than that. I think that the market is going to be so good that uh, um, even though inputs are going to be high, that we're still going to have better than slightly. I think I think it'll get moderate and it could get significantly better. 
uh, I have all kinds of confidence in uh, the people, you know, the breeders, the commercial cattlemen, that, that they will overcome the high input costs, that they'll figure a way around those, that there'll be new ways to do things. Uh, and if we can keep demand for our product at the level that it is now, and even improve it by making a better product, uh, I, I just, I'm bullish on, on where this industry's heading and, and I'm, I'm bullish on these producers sitting in this room and, and the commercial producers that they sell bulls to, that with ingenuity those people have, that uh, I think we're in for some very good years. Now drought is on the minds of so many producers across the plains, uh, northern plains and across the west, and just trying to keep those herds together and buying hay where it's there. Uh, right now, more than ever before, producers are looking at the quality of their herds because they're seeing some of their aspects of the herd really sticking out where these calves are, are finishing good on grass, getting ready for shipping, and then part of their herd, well, it hasn't done so good. Well, why is it important to look at genetics when we are making the decisions of what bulls we buy, what replacements we purchase, and the breeders that we work with. So when we're going through these tough times, we can have a little bit better upper end dur during the drought times. Yeah, I think genetics are the, you know, the tool that, as you mentioned, I mean, through tough times, Mother Nature can deal us some a pretty nasty hand sometimes with, with holding rain, with the hot weather, with whatever kind of catastrophes that, that she might have in mind. Genetics uh, are always there. Um, and, you know, I sell bulls. I represent the American Ag Association as the chairman of the board right now. And so, uh, you know, maybe a little jaded there, but but I do think that, that genetics are, are stable in there that you can invest in. Uh, you know, we can make the cattle we can make the cattle better in so many ways. Uh, we can make them grow faster. We can have them make them marble better. Uh, we can make that end product, that consumer eating experience, better from a genetic standpoint, and they can never take that away from us. I, I would add that, you know, as we come out of this this drought, this Mother Nature dilemma that we're in, as we come out the other end, and as as cows are cold, as the as the cow herd shrinks. I would like to think, and I'm fairly sure that the cows that are going to the sale barn are the bottom end, the cows that are non-productive, the cows that maybe somebody's tracked their progeny through all the way to the grid and found out that their progeny have not hit the, the targets that they wanted them to, come out the other end, that cow herd is going to be really, really good. And we're going to replace that those that cow herd with heifers that are going to be really good and I think that you're going to see the genetics from a genetic standpoint I think you're going to see us hit new levels from a CAB acceptance rate from a growth rate that we've never seen before because of the nucleus of that cow herd that, that's there and it's going to expand in a positive manner uh, I, mean, I mean I'm just I'm excited about that. Now, from the perspective of a young producer, maybe they're going out on their own, separate from their family. Maybe it's a first-generation producer. Uh, I, I talk a lot in my programs that it's very hard for someone to get into the business without help from other people. Um, when we look at those opportunities for young families to get that start in the cattle business, whether it's a, a lease-to-buy situation or it's maybe they're an opportunity to buy a ranch, um, why is it important to have the genetics that back up that opportunity for that sale to help on that margin and help to make that land payment if, if they are lucky enough to fall into one of those situations? 
I'd never say genetics are free because you do have to pay for good genetics. But uh, basically, uh, you know, a, a young guy, anybody is selling grass is what he's selling. And you can harvest that grass with the with an expensive mower you can that that does have no output or or you can you can you can use whatever you want to harvest that grass why not have the very best genetic the biggest motor the the ones that are programmed to do the 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 things that that are going to pay you premiums on down the road uh, and and as slow as cattle generations turn i think it's very very important for them to start with a premium product. I know that, that the pocketbook dictates how wild you can get, but life's too short, generations turn too slow to start with junk. Chances are, you know, you may not live long enough to get past that junk stage, and, and, and profitability is, is in those genetics, and uh, if you don't start with something pretty good, uh, you're probably not gonna survive. Now, I know you got uh, another event here in about six minutes, but uh, how are things looking at the home place? How are you feeling this fall? And uh, give a shout-out for your sale dates. Hi, I'll do that. Yeah, well, our sale day is the Monday before Thanksgiving, uh, and we'll be uh, selling 450 bulls, uh, older bulls. Um, it's, uh, it's dry in western Nebraska. Um, we're not devastated, probably like we were in 2012, or, or like some areas around us are devastated. But we're dry. We're going to corn stalks with cows this fall. We haven't gone since 2012. We have to go 250 miles to stocks. Don't like doing that. Don't like not having our finger on those old cows, you know. Uh, but we'll keep an eye on them. Uh, we're buying some hay. We're, we're hauling some hay from North Dakota. You know, we're hauling hay in, some pretty trashy hay. We'll grind it and mix it with some DDG, and we'll, uh, we'll get by. I mean, we're... We're like our commercial customers that we sell bulls to. We'll, we will persevere. We'll come out the other end of this. Uh, we may not have quite as many cows, but the ones we have will be better, uh, and uh, there's bright days ahead. Well, thank you so much to Jerry Keneally, uh, finishing his year of service on the board as a chairman. And again, we'll have more conversations from the American Angus Association, from the Angus Convention itself here in Salt Lake City, Utah. We'll be back with more coming up next. When it comes to the beef business, there's no room for gray area. The decisions being made in Washington affect the future of the beef industry, the livelihood of your fellow farmers and ranchers. Your National Cattlemen's Beef Association knows there's what benefits cattlemen and there's what doesn't. Visit ncba.org to learn more. As we return back to Angus Convention 2022, we have producers from across the nation gathered here this week at the Salt Palace in Salt Lake City, Utah. And this morning during the opening general session, attendees were very excited to hear from some very heavy hitters in the cattle industry and the Angus breed. One of those panelists of the industry forum was Mr. Joe Goggins out of Shepherd, Montana. And Joe joins us right now. And, yeah, and it's Joe, great to be here. Well, you know, it's, it's been a tough go for producers. Uh, last time we talked was at, of course, one of the Northern video sales earlier this year. And what, what is your feeling as a producer, as a, as a market owner, and also just a, as a father with kids that want to be in the business? How are things going here at the end of 2022? Oh, I, you know, I'm, uh, 
like I said this morning on the stage, I, I, I'm very bullish beef. I, I think uh, I, I think we got some really nice and good years ahead of us. Uh, uh, we continue to, to uh, deplete this cow herd in this country, and uh, due to mostly due to drought and. Uh, uh, when the good Lord helps us with some moisture and we, we, we grow some feed and we uh, uh, figure out ways to uh, kind of lessen these input costs and this and that, uh, uh, this thing gets good. I mean, it, 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 it gets really good. I think it'll pale kind of what we got done in 2014. And I just, uh, I, I really think the key to this whole thing is inventory uh, in, the, in the days ahead. I, 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 for those of us that can stay the course and keep that core cowherd around us, uh, uh, I really believe there's uh, our best days are ahead of us. Now, uh, a part of this panel, I think it was really great to be able to see the interaction with the crowd, with the polls and the surveys, yeah. uh, where producers were able to just right away on their phones uh, give their reaction and their opinion on things. And that first poll of the question, the profitability in the cow-calf sector, what people felt it was going to be like in the next two to three years. And 59% of attendees said it's going to improve slightly. As you mentioned, you think it's going to be more bullish. But what was it like to see that number uh, from registered and commercial breeders like out in the audience? Yeah, it, it was pretty overwhelming, probably slightly moderate. And that's kind of where I would be, too. I, I, I think our calves are going to bring more. We're going to, uh, I think our yearlings, I, I think our product uh, is going to bring quite a little more. But they have to. Uh, I mean, you, you look at what a baler costs, you look at what a swather costs, you look at what a corn chopper costs, you look at your fertilizer costs, your fuel. Uh, the input costs are astounding right now, and uh, uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's really, uh, until we get the input costs under control, if we do, and, and this thing, and the cow herd goes to where we think that's going to go, oh, it, it's unbelievable what could just happen days ahead. Now, uh, w there is so many issues at hand right now. I had to go buy some dyed diesel from the co-op the other day, and I'm just like, I did not want to have to buy in bulk. But, uh, so I was just at, at, at the pump filling it up because I don't want to pay that high price, but so many producers are, are, are stocking up right here looking for the year ahead. Um, what, what is your advice for producers out there that are able to keep a portion of their herds together in drought country uh, about making sure that genetic genetics stays at the top of their mind when we look at uh, bull sales here this fall and, and into the spring and making sure that we're keeping genetics and, and performance at the top of everybody's mind through these uh, yeah, hard I, times. I, I think uh, I, th I think we've never seen a time, in my lifetime at least, that uh, we've seen such a disparity between what a good one's worth and what, uh, what one that's not so good's worth. And uh, uh, these feeders that are left, whether it be the corporates or the mid-range or the farmer feeders, they, they uh, we all know where the best ones are and the people that have done the best job and uh, uh, it is so important uh, uh, whether you're sitting there watching a video sale and watching them go across the screen or sitting at an actual auction market and watching them come through the ring uh, it, it doesn't take very long to figure out who's who's kind of watching their genetics and their bull power and uh, uh, it, there's such a difference and uh, it, it uh, uh, we're, we're coming into a time for those that, that kind of do their homework and, and do things right and uh, and have some power and some consistency and some and some performance in these cattle. Uh, they're they're going to get paid for it. And when we look obviously at the situation in the sale yard, we got the fall run going. The calf market has really strengthened up. I think once we hit November as usual, but that spread on heifers and steer calves has come together. Maybe that would took a little longer than some people thought, but. In your opinion, do you think folks are thinking, you know what, we're getting a little moisture this fall. Maybe maybe we buy those uh, replacement quality heifers and, and try to feed them. Yeah, there, someday, 
some they're going to breed a heifer again. They just have to. And we've seen that, especially in our August video, uh, where we feature the replacement heifer calves. But we, we've seen it for the first time in many years where these a good replacement heifer calves are bringing, uh, uh, especially as replacement Angus heifer calves, uh, they're bringing from the same as the steers, maybe $20 a hundred more. There, there's going to be some demand for these high-quality replacement stock. and. Uh, 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 yeah, I, I think the money to be made in agriculture here in the next few years is going to be with this she stock, with these cattle that we can uh, put on grass and then cheapen up some of these inputs. Uh, uh, no, I, I really think uh, uh, you're seeing it, especially on the replacement heifer side, there's still some spread between these light heifer calves and these feeding heifers and the steers, and uh, uh, I think you'll continue to see that tighten. Now, you mentioned earlier talking about just those opportunities uh, to keep producers in business and, and really help that next generation go forward, and, and that margin has to be there. I, I think you brought up some really good points earlier today, but what are your tips out there for a young producer that has a job in town or possibly the wife has a job in town or vice versa, whoever whoever's running the operation? Is it possible for a young producer to go out on their own and get a start out there? And if so, what, what support system do they need? Yeah, it, it takes a lot of support system. I'm not sure a person that just coming in cold buys a ranch, buys the equipment, buys the cows. Uh, I think that is an impossible scenario anymore. And uh, but I do think uh, uh, I, I, I think we as an industry, uh, uh, not just the Angus Association, but but those of us involved in the beef industry, have better come forward and unify around some ideas as far as how can we create some margin uh, to, to incentivize people not only to leave their land in food production, but to incentivize some young people to want to do this. And, and I think we can all agree about the only way we're going to get young people to continue to want to be involved in production agriculture is we got to create some more margin. Obviously a $2 six weight steer is not enough. I don't know if it's $3, I don't know if it's three and a half, but it's somewhere quite a ways above $2 uh, to incentivize these young people to want to do this with the input costs and the environment that we live in. And uh, uh, I think there's some, some real promise uh, coming forward on maybe trying to come up with some ways to incentivize people to leave their land, and especially protein production. Uh, when you look at the amount of acreage that we lose out of this country, thousands and thousands of acres out of production agriculture each and every year. I think it's a national security issue. I, I think uh, if we continue to, 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 to lose this acreage, we're going to lose our food independence. And when we lose our food independence in this country, where we have to import more than we uh, uh, produce ourselves, we are no longer a superpower. I, I mean, uh, when you look at over history, our ability to trade on a world market has not has our number one bargaining chip, our, our big two big tool and toolbox for making these trade agreements on a world stage has not been our energy, it has not been our technology, it's been our food. And I think that's something that we need to tell the story to these, uh, there's only 2% of us to tell it, but we need to tell this story to the, to, to the citizenship of the United States, to the importance of our, uh, our position here in this country and feeding this, this populace. So when you're at the Pays Cafe and sitting around with some producers of all ages, what are some of the the ideas that get surfaced about keeping land in ag production? Because it's pretty appealing when 60, 70 year old kids that haven't been back to the farm or ranch in 40, 50 years and 
mom and dad pass away or the, the neighbors uh, are leasing that land and that rangeland it could be worth $2,000, $4,000 an acre just to rangeland. We know that doesn't pencil yes. raising cattle. What are some ideas that we can do to incentivize the legislation, tax incentives to be able to come together and say, hey, if you keep this in ag production, sell that to the neighbor, sell it to a young producer. Do you think that's possible? Do you think Congress can do that? I do. I think uh, if we unify around it, uh, we have to come at it with one voice on that. I mean, it's got to be a grassroots movement, and I'm not saying it's got to be exactly that, but but these are the conversations we need to have, I think, if we're going to make this work. I, uh, I'm not sure... Uh, I'm not sure all of these conversations we're having about fed cattle marketing and all of these conversations about the beef checkoff and all of these conversations about country of origin labeling. Some of us really believe in some of those things. Some of us really don't believe in some of those things. It's, they're very diverse and uh, 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 divisive topics within this industry that we are never going to find any common ground on. So I think the conversations we need to have are the kind of the ones like you and I are having right now as far as how can we create margin? How can we create incentive? And, and uh, uh, some of the ideas are thrown around just to kind of build off of because the, we all agree there's a, there's a problem with margin. And uh, uh, basically the one that I think is kind of doable that we can be built off of, not exactly this way, but if you decide to, to, to transfer your land to the next generation and that generation agrees to leave that land in production agriculture and food production for 15 years, kind of base it off of a conservation easement model, mm -hmm. uh, then that generation would be exempt from any death or inheritance tax. Mm -hmm. And I realize some people wouldn't, don't have to worry about that because they wouldn't have a large enough estate to worry about it. But for those that do, which is a lot of them, that have really a lot of us that own these ranches, the only really wealth we have is in our land. And it's just so unfair that that next generation has to buy that land again. And if, if, if we could get into situations like that, it would create a lot of margin for a young person to want to kind of maybe take this thing on and want to try it. Now, one uh, thing that you were talking about uh, earlier is uh, risk management and utilizing tools like livestock risk protection. And uh, we were just talking with our friends at Ag Risk Advisors that a lot of cow-calf producers don't, don't understand or know about LRP. Maybe they're wary about it because cattle producers, we're very proud of how hard we work. We don't want handouts. But looking at a risk management tool, uh, how important is it for producers of all sizes to look at LRP? You know, it, it, it's a, I think it's a very useful tool. I mean, in our own operation, we've started to use it, and it's been a, uh, especially in, the, in what I think the market structure looks like now to where we, uh, we sure have some possibilities of going higher. It, it, it at least allows you to get a floor, and uh, it allows you to protect against the, what they call these black swan events. And, uh, and uh, for us, the, the part that, I, that really intrigues me most about it is there's no margin calls, and you don't have to pay any of it up front. You pay it after you sell the cattle, at the end, uh, the, the, the misconception that a lot of people might have is that it's a, it's a true form of margin, it's a true form of, uh, of uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's risk management, it's an insurance policy, okay. and, and to be honest, it's not a cheap one. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you get the higher end of it, it's going to cost you 50, 60 bucks a head, but uh, for those of us in this thing, we can, we, we, we can live with a $40, $50 loss over some times can't live with that five, six, seven hundred dollar loss. And uh, that, that, that's what it protects against. And I think uh, it allows these, these people to, uh, 
uh, I mean, for a cow-calf producer to have the ability, when the market's so good right now, to, to tie up his unborn calves right now at, say, eleven to $1,200, not a bad gamble. Not a bad gamble. Now, I know you got to get running here. We don't want to take too much more of your time, but uh, you, you made a comparison this morning about beef and beer. Do you want to reshare that? Oh, I, 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 uh, we hear a lot of talk anymore uh, on the news, this and that, about inflation and, and recession. And my father always told me there was two things in the world that are recession and inflation proof, and that's beer and beef. Well, one thing about it, I like a consistently good-tasting beer. I'm a Coors, Coors Light yeah, man yeah. myself. I'm, I love one of those certified Angus beef ribeyes yeah. along the way. But uh, Joe, uh, before we uh, we get kicked off by our announcer here on the intercom, just any last comments you'd like to share with your fellow uh, Angus breeders or the commercial cowman out there? Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I, I think we're into some real exciting times ahead of us. I do. I think. Uh, uh, I think all of us are so sick of negative, negativeness and, 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 and the bad things in this world. And there is so much to look forward to and there's so much hope ahead of us uh, for what's about to happen. And uh, no, I, I, I think the key is own these cows and keep them around You do the best you can to keep that core cow herd because uh, there's no question we got some good days ahead of us. Two great conversations with industry leaders Joe Goggins and Jerry Keneally. Make sure and stay tuned in to more agriculture conversations here on the LaneCast Ag Podcast. I'm Lane Nordland. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the LaneCast with Talkin' Ag, Lane Nordland. For more on Lane, check out his Facebook page, Lane Nordland Ag Broadcaster and NordlandCommunications.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the LaneCast on your Apple or Android devices. We look forward to joining you next time on the LaneCast.